0: Good evening, everyone. So uh, when I was growing up, my oldest brother and I were obsessed with a radio drama called Adventures in Odyssey, who are my evangelical 90s kids. I've got a few out there, right? Um, (laughs) We'd save up our allowances in order to buy the cassette tapes um, and we avidly followed the adventures of the various characters living in a small town called Odyssey. And the anchoring location in this uh, drama, the place where all the characters gathered, was a place called Wits End, which was an ice cream emporium uh, run by a kindly, if eccentric, inventor named Mr. Whitaker, hence Wits End. Uh, in addition to the ice cream and the sage advice, the main attraction at Wits End was an invention called, does anyone know? The Imagination Station, yes. Uh, and the point of the Imagination Station was that you could get into it and it would transport you back in time uh, to a historical event, but but just in your imagination. So no, no butterfly effect, no grandfather paradox, right? It's all in your imagination. Um, yes. Uh, And typically, because this was a Christian drama, um, these were events from the Bible. And I always loved the episodes that started in the imagination station, because how cool would it be, right, to be there for the crossing of the Red Sea, or David's battle with Goliath, or the birth of Jesus, especially if you don't have to worry about actually being caught up in, like, the battles and stuff going on. Um, Unfortunately, I'm not an inventor, and this sermon is not an introduction to Savior's newest attraction. Um, But we are talking tonight about the use of our imagination in prayer, in particular about a particular form of prayer called imaginative prayer. Uh, So we'll be sticking with the lower tech version of uh, our imagination station, the one in our own brains. Uh, But today we are going to take some time to explore this practice, which is a form of meditation on scripture that invites us to enter into the biblical narrative in order to fully experience it and then bring this experience to God in prayer. And just a a word of um, sort of setting up this sermon For the past, uh, well, last week and then also next week, we're doing a short series that we're calling the Prayer Lab. So I'm going to spend the first, I I clocked in at 13 minutes this morning, so we'll we'll call it 13 minutes or so, talking to you about what imaginative prayer is. And then we're going to spend the, the rest of the time allocated to our sermon actually doing imaginative prayer. So this is, uh, it's a different sort of format for a sermon. I kind of feel like I should have a PowerPoint up, right, to um, give you all of these things since I'm I'm teaching and then inviting you to be the one who enters into scripture. Um, But I really enjoyed doing this last week with the examine, and so I'm looking forward to um, what we encounter, how we encounter God together tonight through imaginative prayer. So what is imaginative prayer? Um, it can take a variety of forms so you may have encountered um, different versions of it but what i'm focusing on tonight is the most common form which is imaginative prayer as a way of meditating on and meeting god within scripture right so using our imaginations to experience god now it seems that imaginative prayer has been something that people have done since at least the middle ages if not earlier Uh, St. Francis, who I'm assuming you all have heard of, um, encouraged people to imaginatively enter into biblical stories uh, by setting up nativity scenes in their homes, which is something uh, many of us still do, or by walking through the stations of the cross, which again is something that we've added to our practice here at Savior during Holy Week. So this sort of imaginative entering into the life of Christ. However, in the 16th century, um, it's St. Ignatius of Loyola who, um, actually, Father and Kevin and I were just discussing this beforehand. Uh, he supercharged everything that he did. Um, so, St. Ignatius of Loyola took this practice of imaginative prayer and kind of supercharged it into uh, what most people encounter today when they do imaginative prayer. And Father Kevin gave us a little bit of St. Ignatius's life last week, uh, but the relevant facts. Uh, He was living mostly in the early 16th century. Uh, He had wanted to become um, a really famous soldier in young life. He had these dreams of military glory. Uh, A shattered leg kind of put an end to those dreams, and he turned his considerable focus and energy instead towards the religious life. And one of the most um, important things that he left uh, the church in terms of spiritual formation is what's called the Ignatian Exercises, which is a series of exercises that are meant to bring you closer to God. And imaginative prayer plays an incredibly large role in these spiritual exercises. And this is how Ignatius tells people um, to uh, engage in imaginative prayer. So the first thing that you do in engaging in imaginative prayer is to make what he calls an imaginative composition of the place where a narrative happens. So if you're uh, meditating on a part of scripture that has, uh, say, a visual component, say something from the life of Christ, um, or our gospel reading for tonight, right, Um, in in a not coincidental uh, occurrence, Um, you imagine in your mind, you compose in your mind what this scene looks like, right? So for tonight's Gospel reading, you would think about what, what does the road look like, right? Uh, you're on the outskirts of a town, what might that be like? What are you feeling, what are you seeing, what are you experiencing as you build this scene? And then after building this scene, um, Ignatius directs us to experience the scene. So we've created a place in our mind, and now we enter into it. What do we notice? What do we feel? Not just sensations, but emotionally. What do we feel as we enter into this scene? What might God be saying to us into the text? What might we want to say to God through this text? And so in this form of meditation, we enter the text imaginatively in order to talk to Jesus, in order to receive from the Holy Spirit, um, in order to open ourselves to experiencing a particular event in scripture. So you may already be on board with this, but why, why? what's the point of praying imaginatively? What, um, what does this help us to do? And I think there are three, I'm, I'm preaching, so there have to be three, right? I think there are three main reasons um, that, for me at least, are helpful aspects of imaginative prayer. And the first um, is certainly applicative to most forms of meditating on scripture. But the first is that imaginative prayer forces us to slow down and to enter the text, no matter how familiar it may be, open to seeing and receiving from God in that text. And I will say for me, um, and I would imagine for many of you who grew up in the church, the stories in the gospel are incredibly familiar. And it can be really easy to just kind of skim over the surface of them, right? We know the story that we read tonight. Ten lepers, one comes back, remember to be like the leper who, leper who came back, check, right, we're done. Um, imaginative prayer asks us to slow down, right, and see this familiar story um, from a new angle um, and to listen to where, how God might be speaking to us through the story. So that's the first, it slows us down. Next, imaginative prayer helps us move beyond um, just intellectual engagement with the text, Right, the engagement that kind of stays at the level of our head, which is good and necessary. Um, But when we use our imagination to enter into the text, we're bringing our whole selves, including our bodies and our emotions, into the narrative. So as we move beyond and just intellectual engagement Um, in the words of richard foster we move from detached observation to active participation and we begin to engage our hearts as well as our minds bringing our whole selves into contact with jesus so imaginative prayer slows us down it moves us beyond just an intellectual engagement to engaging with our full selves and then finally um and stick with me because this seems a little counterintuitive at first I think that imaginative prayer helps us to better submit ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit through scripture. And uh, as I was reading um, a book called Shaped by the Word by Robert Mulholland, um, this author notes that we have a tendency to approach texts, um, things that we read, as objects that we're supposed to master. Right, so this, this overlaps with that intellectual engagement, but it's still like we're we're supposed to understand that text and master it. And I think imaginative prayer helps us enter the text in a posture of listening and submission. And again, this seems a little counterintuitive because of course what you're doing is applying your imagination to the text. But you're applying your imagination to the text in order to move yourself into that posture of letting your your sight and your emotions be directed in the way God wants to direct them as you engage with that text. So praying imaginatively slows us down moves us beyond just engaging with our head, and points us in the direction of submitting ourselves to the text and to God's word to us through the text. But as I say all of this, you may have a couple of uh, hesitations or concerns. I think one, the first one, is an incredibly practical one. You may say to me, Sarah, this sounds fabulous. I have a terrible imagination. Um, And it's true. Like, there are, I mean, I think scientifically, this was a, a big deal on Twitter a couple of years ago that some people can't like, actually visualize things, right? Um, or you may just have a hard time imagining scripture. And I want to say that imaginative prayer is still for you. So I found this passage um, by David Benner, who's a well-known spiritual author, incredibly helpful. Um, he writes this in The Gift of Being Yourself, and you may identify. I have trouble visualizing things, and my imagination is, at best, quite stunted. I often find that the details of my mental image of a scene are exclusively those suggested in the biblical account. I seem to have trouble letting the spirit enrich the picture by adding other sensory details in the way he does for others. But after I get past my frustration and sense of failure, I realize that simply pondering the event, allowing myself to daydream on it, is sharing Jesus's experiences with him. I am, in fact, slowly moving into a new level of personal knowing of Jesus. So what I want to say is that if you, like David Benner, feel like your imagination is stunted, don't despair. Compose the scene as you're able in your mind. Invite the spirit to direct your attention as you meditate in the passage. You might find that uh, this sort of imaginative prayer becomes easier the more you do it, right? Your imagination muscles sort of grows. But even if it never does, you're still spending time with Jesus and getting to know him in new ways. So even if you don't think you have the best of imaginations, this is still a practice uh, that you can engage in. But the second difficulty that um, people may have, that some people may have is, uh, and I think it's actually a really common difficulty, is the difficulty in trusting our imaginations. There's a really significant strand in American evangelical thinking that privileges the mind over all of our other faculties and is often deeply suspicious of experience, emotion, and of course, imagination. And I would venture to guess that even if you don't share this suspicion consciously, um, most of us who are American Christians have been affected by this form of thinking in some way or another. So what does it look like to trust our imagination as we pray in this way, and and can we trust our imagination as we pray in this way? And the first thing that I want to say is that we need to acknowledge that yes, of course, our imagination is tainted by sin, uh, just like our intellect, our emotions, our will, our entire being. So it's not wrong to be careful with how we use our imaginations, um, even as we're praying scripture. And because of this, I would say it's really wise to test any word or insight you receive in imaginative prayer. Uh, For example, um, if you hear something that is either exactly what you want to hear, um, or perhaps on the other side, exactly what you're afraid of hearing, um, you might test that and think if that is really coming from God or if that is coming from within yourself. Uh, I'm, I'm an Enneagram one. I have a very strong inner critic. And there have been times when I've engaged in imaginative prayer, and what I hear Jesus saying is actually the voice of that inner critic. Um, It's condemnation without grace or love or hope. And in those times, um, I I stop, right? Like, I I stop praying in this way, because clearly my imagination is taking me into condemnation in a way that's not helpful and actually not reflective of who Jesus is. You may be convicted in imaginative prayer, but it's never going to come um, with just... Utter, you're a horrible person, is going to come with hope and love and grace. So it's always good to test what you're hearing imaginatively against what you know about God, right? I know, I know that Jesus is not um, standing in condemnation over me. It may be good to test it with someone else, right, with someone who's your prayer partner or a spiritual director if you're hearing something and you're not quite sure if it's coming from God or not. So again, I think it's wise to um, not just assume that anything you imagine is from God. Um, But certainly many things are from God. And that's because God created our imagination and God works through our imagination. And so I'm going to end this part of my sermon with a quote from Richard Foster in his classic book, Prayer, um, because honestly, Richard Foster says it way better um, than I possibly could to you. So it's a little bit of a long one, but I I think he really captures what it is that imaginative prayer um, can do, what it is that it it looks like to engage our imaginations and have our imaginations sanctified by God. So Foster says, it's vitally important for us to be thrown in utter dependence upon God in these matters, these matters of uh, meditative or imaginative prayer. We are seeking to think God's thoughts after him, to delight in his presence, to desire his truth and his way. The more we live in this way, the more God utilizes our imagination for his good purposes. To believe that God can sanctify and utilize the imagination is simply to take seriously the Christian idea of incarnation. God so accommodates, so enfleshes himself in our world that he uses the images we know and understand to teach us about the unseen world of which we know so little and find so difficult to understand. As we seek God through imaginative prayer, God forms our imaginations towards him and meets us there. So now what we're going to do um, is we're going to enter into a time of imaginative prayer. There's going to be um, quite a bit of silence. So I know that's oftentimes a little bit awkward, but um, lean into it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read the passage over, the Luke passage that was our gospel reading over, um, several times with space in between. And each time I'm going to guide you um, in setting the scene and beginning to talk to God through this narrative. I will say you have space in your order of worship um, if you want to take notes or if you want to say sketch or something along those lines. Um, But I I would encourage you, for at least the first little bit, um, don't even try writing, just Kind of drop into your imagination and spend some time there with God uh, before you try to pull it back out into something that you can put down on paper. So take a moment and get yourself comfortable in the pew. I know they're not the most comfortable, but as comfortable as you can. You might choose to close your eyes. And I often find that as, uh, as I engage in this sort of imaginative prayer, it can be really helpful to become aware of my body um, in a particular place. So I invite you to place your feet on the floor, feel yourself grounded, feel the seat of the pew supporting you. Take a few deep breaths as we prepare to experience scripture. And I invite you to pray after me this prayer from St. Ignatius, as we enter this time. You can just repeat each phrase after me. Here I am. Here I am. Every part of me. Every part of me. Ready to pray. Ready to pray. Now during this first time that I read the Luke passage, begin to compose the scene in your mind. What do you see, hear? What do you feel, sun, a breeze? What might you smell? Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, for faith has made you well. So take about two minutes and bring yourself um, and your uh, mind through your senses into this scene. as you have the scene set in your mind I'm going to read the passage again this time what details most draw your attention what do you feel both your senses and your emotions as you see this scene play out in front of you now on the way to Jerusalem Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee as he was going into a village 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was, he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. going to read the passage a third and final time and this time I invite you to focus on Jesus' words to the lepers what do you notice how do you experience his words you might even try placing yourself in different roles in the story how do you experience his words if you're a bystander if you're a disciple if you're one of the lepers pay attention to where God is is, uh, pointing you and meeting you Um, through these words now on his way to Jerusalem Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee as he was going into a village ten men who had leprosy met him they stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice Jesus master have pity on us when he saw them he said go show yourselves to the priests Your faith has made you well. Finally, as we begin to bring this time of prayer to a close, I invite you to talk to God about what you're experiencing as you imagine this scene. You might imagine what you would say to Jesus or what Jesus would say to you, or you might simply talk to God about what you noticed in this scene and take about two more minutes um, as we wrap this up. Lord Jesus, thank you for the ways you have met us tonight through the words of scripture as we encounter you through our imagination. Amen. So now I know it can take a minute to kind of come back up out of that imaginative experience. Um, But as as we conclude this time of prayer, what I want to encourage you to do is to imitate Mary, the mother of Jesus, to gather up what you've experienced tonight um, and in the days to come, ponder it in your heart. Think of, of what you've experienced, um, how God may have spoken to you through the text. Um, it may have been in a really big way. It's probably more likely that it was in a small way. Um, and, but that's, that's how we encounter and how we know Jesus more and more through these um, large or small encounters through the Gospels. And I will also say, if you haven't tried imaginative prayer before tonight, um, I really would encourage you to set aside a block of time in the upcoming week and try it again. I know it can always be a little bit awkward to do that, both with me guiding you and interrupting you and uh, with a bunch of people around you. So if this is something that you're interested in adding to your own spiritual practice, I really do encourage you to take some time and practice it in the week to come. And thank you all very much um, for spending this time in prayer with me.